0: Time to set foot inside the morgue with your hosts, Lee, Carl, and Rob.
1: Good evening and welcome to another episode of the MMM. So, um, so, tonight we're going to review the Western Horror Bone Tomahawk. Before we get started though, I thought we'd go around the table as we usually do and we'll chat about any films we've been watching this week. So, uh, Lee, do you want to start?
0: Um, recently watched that uh, run, it's a horror film, very much along the lines of Misery, but this time instead of it being a, an author and his fan, it's a mother and daughter, The the mother's drugging her daughter and causing her to have a disability yeah it's quite a harrowing watch but uh, yeah it's decent and uh, the other thing uh, I watched Brawling Cell Block 99 which is um, the director of Bone Tomahawk's second film and that's worth a watch as well Uh, very over the top violence pretty much along the same lines of Bone Tomahawk as, as far as violence but this one's set in modern day it's a prison and it's a guy who's being forced into a situation where he's got to do various violent acts to try and uh, free his daughter his um, wife who's been held uh, hostage so, so it's uh, a chick flick. that one too chick it's flick. a chick flick <laughs> yeah this director is all about yeah all about the chick flicks and keeping the, keeping the wives happy about
1: yeah. Cal, Cal if you work you I'm, I'm afraid'm I'm, I'm
2: keeping my usual tradition of not of not knowing really anything about movies since the year 2000. And uh, what did I watch? I watched a a Blu-ray of a film called Newman's Law a couple of nights ago, which is an old film with George Peppard that's just come out on Blu-ray. That sounds good. No one will know what that is, but it wasn't a bad film, actually. It's kind of a 70s uh, cop thing. Quite good. Apparently it was made for TV originally, and then they decided to release it to cinemas. Yes, that was quite fun. Uh, What else did I watch? I watched a Jackie Chan film called Shaolin Wooden Men which has just come out on Blu-ray <laughs> as well. And that was a bit of a blast from the past. But it's nice to see some of these films uh, you know, looking really good and restored. And um, they, they look like new movies. They look like different films. Because if I don't know if you ever saw them on VHS uh, years ago, Lee and Rob. They were, the quality of these prints was uh, was terrible and it was panned and scanned. And, you know, It wasn't in widescreen. I screen.
1: remember the, uh, was it Movie Drone? I think uh, or there used to be a Jackie Chan um, series of films shown on BBC Two in the eight, uh, 90s. I think it was Channel Four. Rob, Channel Four did the it channel was one four, Christmas yeah.
2: they put a few on, and it was the first time I'd ever seen anything like it on on TV. Although I'd seen a few on video. That's when I saw like Police Story and Armour of God and things like that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. In fact, those ones, they put on Police Story, Armour of God, Wheels on Meals, and Project A. I think. So, oh yeah, yeah they, they had those four on. Yeah, they were like they're the, basically the best the best Channel films. So they 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 pick well. In fact, you just mentioned Movie Drum. <laughs> I've managed this week to secure a copy of uh, one of the movie drone guides made uh, in conjunction with the old, with the show, and this little guide has um, like Alex Cox's write ups of the films inside it. So I uh, haven't received it yet, but I've
1: managed. There's one winging its
2: way to me now as so well.
1: That would be decent. Um, yeah, I've watched a few things this week. I've watched um, Bombshell, which is uh, about the uh, the investigation into uh, uh, sexism in, and uh, um, internal abuse of women in Fox Network news. Uh, that was pretty decent. I thought it was going to be pretty bad because it had Nicole Kim and Charlie's on but it turned out to be quite interesting. Um, <laughs> I watched On the Rocks with Bill Murray and Sophia Cop- Sophia Coppola's new film. Not uh, after two. No, not on the not two. <laughs> on the Rocks is about a, uh, a a play by philandering father who uh, slowly um, connects with his daughter because. It, his daughter suspects that her husband's having an affair, and because of him recognising all the signs, he takes her on this little road trip to, to look into, you know, the honesty of her husband. Mm-hmm. And then also I tried to watch um, Nicolas Cage's new film, uh, Jiu-Jitsu, which, if you've ever seen Predator, is like um, Predator, but if you took everything that was good at Predator and took it out of the film and replaced it with Nicolas Cage and um, a zero budget, you would get jiu and I only made it 20 minutes through the film and I had to give up. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, sadly, I was going to recommend Jiu-Jitsu as a Manchester Morgue episode, but it's so bad, it's not even worth reviewing.
2: I think he's sometimes he's occasionally in a film that's good, that has nothing to do with him being in
1: it. I mean, what's weird about Jiu-Jitsu, it literally has this big long list of you know actors at the beginning, and then finally it says, and Nicolas Cage. <laughs> which suggests it you know, suggests he's only in the film for about fifteen minutes, but he was um, on set for yeah. a day,
2: yeah. and he, he probably got paid quite a lot. But the the video box presumably has his has his name yeah. above the title uh, above everyone else's. All
1: well, we'll cut to the chase. So, um, tonight is episode seven, and uh, this is Cal's uh, baby this week. So, we were all, each week we're choosing a film. Cal chose uh, the Kurt Russell film uh, Bone Tomahawk. So, I'll let you go, Cal, with the uh, summary of it.
2: I, yeah, I've I've no idea why we chose this film. Now, I mean, it's a it's a first watch for me. I, I I'd kind of it's a kind of film that seems to tick my boxes. You know, I like I like westerns, and I'd I'd heard it it was um, it had a bit of horror crossover as well, um, without too much details. So I thought this is probably going to be good. Okay, yeah. So here's the uh, here's a synopsis for uh, Bow and Tomahawk: Two drifters uh, who rob and kill travelers run afoul of a Native American tribe by desecrating uh, their burial site. One is killed while the other escapes. Eleven days later, the drifter arrives in a small town named Bright Hope and buries his loot uh, under cover of darkness. Backup deputy, Chickory, reports him to Sheriff Franklin Hunt, who's played by Kurt Russell. Hunt shoots the drifter in the leg and sends John Bruder, uh, played by Matthew Fox, to fetch the town's doctor. Arthur O'Dyer, played by Patrick Wilson, is resting at home with a broken leg, with his wife Samantha who's the doctor's assistant. The doctor's uh, the doctor is drunk so she's called to the jail to treat the drifter's gunshot wound to his leg. The drifter is left with Samantha and Deputy Nick overnight in the jail and during the night a stable hand is graphically murdered. In the morning it's discovered that the drifter Samantha and Nick have been abducted by a Native American tribe of cave dwellers or troglodytes. The hunt forms a hunting party consisting of him Chicory, Bruder and Arthur O'Dwyer, despite him having a broken leg. After a difficult trek, during which the hunting party disagree, fall out and have their horses stolen, Bruder and Arthur O'Dwyer come to blows and this worsens his leg injury. As a result, he is left behind to recover. The three are attacked by arrows and all are injured. Two of the attackers are killed and Hunt and Chicory retreat, leaving Bruder behind, who's killed outright but not before killing another Native American. Hunt and Chicory are captured and imprisoned into the Native American's cave where they find Samantha and Nick imprisoned in an adjacent cage. It transpires, the drifter has already been killed and eaten. They see Nick taken from his cell, stripped, brutally scalped and eviscerated before being taken away, presumably to be eaten. Arthur wakes up and follows the trail. He kills two Native Americans and notices something in their windpipes which turns out to be a whistle of some description. O'Dwyer cuts this out of one of the uh, Native Americans and uses it to lure another tribe, tribesman close, close enough to kill him. Back in the cave, the leader has grown angry and pulls, pulls out Hunt from his cage, cutting open his abdomen and shoving a hot metal flask into the wound and shooting him twice. Arthur arrives in the cave to save the day and Hunt kills the leader Hunt stays behind due to the severe nature of his injuries as he swears to kill the three remaining tribesmen with a shotgun. The survivors escape to hear three distinct gunshot sounds in the distance as the threat from the cave-dwelling cannibal tribe seems to have been quashed, but at a terrible cost. And there you go. <laughs> that's that's habit. That's, that's bone, that is Bone Tomahawk. And uh, actually, it's quite... Um, I was surprised when I when I started it for some reason I had it in my brain it was like a ninety minute film this is two hours Uh, this this is this is not going to do a um, a synopsis for
0: yeah it flew by though to be honest wasn't it it was even though it's such a long film and it has some kind of slow moments I think the the dialogue and the the bits of action peppered throughout the film sort of keep it flying along at a good pace really doesn't it
1: it does because i mean yeah i was just gonna, i mean for these um for these podcasts we do i, I whenever we do a film we usually try, like to break it into pieces so that I can really in, you know take it in each bit but i ended up it was a it was a school night literally a school night and i, I ended up i said to myself i'm only going to watch 30 minutes and i ended up watching the whole thing because i obviously got into it which is always a good sign it's i mean it, it is a slow burn, you know. Any reviews you see on this film will say that you have to earn it. You have to, you have to stay with it. But the characters are so well scripted and you know hmm. cut out that um, it's definitely a good watch.
0: Now, uh, would you call this, uh, Carl and Rob? Would you call this a horror or a western? Do you think, or is it? A, would you call it a mashup movie? What's
1: your it's, opinions on that? Oh, I'd say it's firm. In my opinion, I'd say it's firmly rooted in West. It's got all the archetypes. Mm. It's got it's got the gunslinger, the cowboy, the sheriff, uh, the old timer, and it's yeah. it's got. But then it does have the, those massive horror stamps as well, like the um, the Indian burial ground that you disturb, and the threat of the unknown. And uh, yeah, so but uh, very much a western. I mean, I, I read about Yeah, uh, yeah. I'd say that Zala, the director, he really wanted to do a western, which is not very popular to do, and it's hard to do. But
0: yeah, yeah the, you were saying that the it's it's really not the com- the production companies now don't consider a western as as viable as a you know as a project really, and he had to go to Europe to get it financed finance, which was uh, yeah, it's
1: cheap, isn't pretty it? Pretty bizarre. Man? Yeah, yep. the
0: films right. are
2: cheap. make. it's an independent independent production. This one, and um, going back to that question, I think. For me, it's it's certainly a Western. Robert, you're you right when you say all the kind of familiar Western tropes are there. You know, there's a, this yeah. kind of like a hunting yeah. party, there's a posse assembled. It's almost like um, I was thinking of there's a John Wayne film called Searchers, and um, although yeah. although, mm-hmm. although they're completely different in tone. There's lots of similarities between uh, between this film and that film, where I think Natalie Wood is kidnapped by a tribe of Indians, and uh, yes, John Wayne will, that, yeah. go out to um, you know try and track her down, and uh, that's a good that's a great film as well. Um, but this this one takes a rather different turn, I think. So it, it's certainly a western, and it's. But I mean, it's, it's it really launches into the film quite brutally. I mean, the oh, very the the opening sequence. Yeah, it's like you know David Arquette, who plays mm. one of the uh, one of the drifters. Just, he looks like a rusty knife he's got because he's he's really struggling. Yeah. to kind oh. of uh, slit this guy's throat. Who he's just woken up from having
0: been asleep. And there's also Sid Haig as well, who's uh, was in. An, I remember him from all the Rob Zombie films, uh, Devils Rejects, and House oh, yeah. of a Thousand yeah. Corpses. Uh, and yeah you're under no uh misunderstanding what kind of a film it's going to be when you see him in it and you see that first scene with the the neck being brutally and that that bit of dialogue about the 16 veins or something in the neck that yeah. you have to cut through. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. That's a lot of detail, isn't
1: it? I mean, that's like a proper autopsy. Like, and, and the fact is what what did put me off though is that David Arquette was doing it and David Arquette in films and me don't really go together very well. I, I uh, think the only thing
2: this film missed, if anything, was um, you know, the brutal evisceration scene of um, David Arquette where he's kind of brutally murdered <laughs> and consumed by animals. He seems to get off free almost.
1: It's true, if Courtney Cox was in the film you probably would have had that happening but <laughs> um, I was going to say as
2: well, apart from being a western the, um, the some of the shocking scenes especially towards the end were uh, they, they put me in mind of the first times I saw films like uh, you know Cannibal Ferox or Cannibal Holocaust and oh, yeah. uh, also other kind of slightly lesser, lesser maybe not as grim ones but still pretty grim like right? you know, the original Hills Have Eyes or um, Perhaps even the Texas Chainsaw Massacre—it's that kind of, you know, it's that otherworldly, otherworldliness of the villains of the piece. Um, it's mm-hmm. like those it forgotten part of time where, you know, technology and progress hasn't just hasn't has never reached them.
1: No, it's the threat. Of the, it's the threat. Of the, it's like Hills Have Eyes. Like the threat of the unknown, the threat of the uh, the, the hidden frontiers. The, the, the also the aspects that the Americans think they can grab everything. I think it's a quote from his wife in the film. Uh, where she says, you know, the stupidity of man when they're in prison, and it's the, it's that idea that you, think you can just grab and take, and then eventually one mm. day it gets took away from you, which mm. is what happens with the chocolate Also, I have to say that the um, the film in it, this environment they're in, these deserts, and it was um, it's so brutal, isn't it? It's just like endless desert terrain and like sharp rocks and. Um, there's no respite with like you know. There's no that like scenic hills or valleys as they are flowers. It's everything's dead. Oh, that's the, right. There's, there's the, no shots of Monument Valley
2: uh, or, or like the, um, the the wagon train plowing along like you know perfectly flat no. uh, sand and terrain. This is this is you, you kind of really feel the uh, the all, all the sweat and the grit of the, of oh, the journey yeah. as they as, as the posse kind of embark upon their uh, on, on their quest. I
1: think you really feel it. It was very clever as well to have the uh, Patrick Wilson character being injured. He's injured from the beginning of the film mm. because it pretty much is clear from the beginning that the posse heads out that if you have an injury of any type, you cannot survive. You are not meant to survive, although he, does, he is a survivor. You were mm. basically, you are dead. You are done. I mean, there's a horse gets injured in the film and he put the horse down when it has a bad leg, when it gets injured. He... He's like hobbling and you really feel it for him, don't you? It's every step across. He has to walk for miles and miles on his own and and it's like swirling vultures. I dare
2: say in many other films, this character would just be set up with an injury, uh, you know, to be the dead meat character, you know. And and Mm -hmm. I think it was a nice touch that they they didn't use him because the character was quite likeable as well. You know, he's... um,
1: Oh, he is, yeah. He's He's really upright and honourable, isn't he?
0: I think this is the the genius of the director, really, because he, he he does surprise the audience all the way through the film. You're right, Carl. You are expecting him to be a lame duck and to get picked off, to be the first to be, be picked off, but he very much uh, is there right to the end, really, isn't he? And and even Chickory himself, you kind of uh, he's not the most uh, combative of characters, really. Is he's, he's a bit of a lovable loser, mm-hmm. um, but. Uh, you know, it's, it's obviously no spoiler, but it's, he survives right to the end. Um, yeah, so he, he's kind of, the director is constantly constantly surprising the audience with the way the, you know, the twists and turns of the way the film works, which is yeah. part yeah. of what I think makes it so enjoyable.
1: There's no, um, there's no black or white characters, there? even like the gunslinger, who he, um, he boasts of like, he's killed more Indians than anyone. Um, it's because you find out later in the film, he's got a history, hasn't he? He lost his wife and uh, child, to uh, native americans and then he's he's got this vendetta and this kind of determination now just to basically he almost wants to put himself in the firing line because he's got nothing left to lose there's a bit more to his character than just being a cold-hearted you know gunslinger
0: yeah i mean even that character you're, you're expecting him to be that typical character in a film who you don't really know what his motivations are and he perhaps might do something that gets the group into trouble or he might do something because he's a bit trigger happy isn't he, he, he is. he's, he's yeah. more intelligent than everybody else in the group isn't he and he kind of sets himself out he's got dressed all in white he, he's clearly thinks he's superior to everybody else and that obviously doesn't make you want as a viewer doesn't make you want no. to him but ultimately he's actually a good guy underneath like you say you find out that his family was was killed, which is, his, he's not just a bigot, you know, that's why he's yeah. got this motivation for, for vengeance.
1: A sign of a good performance is that, like, literally it was 20 minutes into the film, or maybe longer, I suddenly realised it was the bloke from Lost. I mean, because uh, <laughs> yeah. he, he has a handlebar moustache, of course, and he looks quite smooth and slick. Oh, is that Matthew Fox? Yeah, Matthew Fox, yeah.
0: I wasn't a huge fan of Lost, to be honest. He's, he's quite—I found him quite wooden in that, really. But this is the best thing I've seen him in, to be honest. I mean, mm. it's, obviously, it's a good character, but yeah.
2: This this film did have a very interesting supporting cast, actually. Um, apart from Matthew, apart from the uh, the principals, there was um, there's David Arquette who we mentioned. He plays Drifter. Yeah. The uh, the mayor's wife was played by Sean Young, and I've not seen Sean Young in a film for for many years. She was a very popular actress in the 1980s. I don't—I haven't seen her in anything for. Years probably since uh, Ace Ventura, detective. So I don't know what she's been doing. <laughs> she, she's got a little role, so that's good to see her. The chap playing the piano uh, at the start, for um, you know, he said he, he played three for 10 cents and he's asking him why it costs more because he, you know, because he got tired. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, that, that actor is a chap called James Tolkien, and anyone who's seen Back to the Future may be familiar with, with him, uh, kind of bald headed guy with, um, I think he plays. Is he a teacher at the school?
0: Doesn't he come out with a shotgun or something, out of the school or something? When it's That's right, yeah,
2: in, in, in 2. Strickland. Back to future two. Strickland. Yes. Strickland, Strickland. yeah, yeah. And that's yeah, him. Yeah, that's it. And the other actor who I have to say, I didn't notice until the final credits, but there's there's kind of another actor who's popular in the early 80s called Michael Paré. And uh, again, he's someone I've not seen in anything for years. I honestly didn't notice him in this film, so I only watched it once, so I'll go back and check. Michael Pare was in his big actor in the uh, early 80s as well. So obviously the director's got a bit of an eye for the uh, you know some of the actors from the uh, the not not the older generation but you know uh, kind of cult uh, actors who appeared in period cult, cult films yeah. that you know he's obviously keen on. He said, "Oh well, you know, I'll give a little job here to Sean Young and James
0: Tolkien and Michael Pare." That's uh, I mean, what what an amazing cast to get for your first film. And I believe most of them were on on sort a of minimum wage, really. Even probably Kurt Russell. I mean, obviously, it would have been uh, a good rehearsal for him for his role in Hateful Eight, where he plays almost the same character, just dialed up a bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's Correct, amazing, yes. really, the cast. Have, have you seen the Hateful
1: Eight, uh, Leo? Rob? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's,
2: it's it's really odd because in 2015, Kurt Russell two of Kurt Russell's films were both westerns, where you know westerns aren't generally made. Um, these days, and um, in both films, again spoiler alert, here, guys. But I mean, you you know, you, you shouldn't really be listening if uh, <laughs> if perhaps you've know, not seen already. <laughs> yeah, in, in both films, you know, Kurt Russell's character kind of Gilt a moustache, but yeah, un, un- <laughs> undergoes like, a really kind of grizzly death in both films. So I thought it was quite funny. Maybe he had like a, a clause of his agent that year saying, you know, these are the kind of roles you've got to get me. It needs to be a western. I need to suffer a horrendous death, and uh, yeah, mm. yeah, I'm, I'm I'm your man.
1: He's a good all rounder, though, isn't he? Because he can play comedy, he can do action. He's, you know, he's he, he, you know, he, he carries it off quite convincingly. As a sheriff, as the grizzly sheriff in this wild land, you quite believe it. I mean, even the the film like uh, the idea of the troglodytes and how gruesome it becomes. None of it I considered you know unfeasible. No, um, I'm not. I'm not watching this film thinking, yeah, that, there's no way that would happen. I, I was nodding and thinking, this is you know, this is a serious thing in the middle of the desert in America that you could get <laughs> brutally scalped and cut into.
2: but Russell's got serious uh, Western chops as well. He's, um, you know, he was in uh, Tombstone and like we said, the ha- April Eight. So a bit of a crossover there with our first uh, podcast of uh, pay Dirt with Val Kilmer. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and Lee, the other the other week you were talking about Breakdown, uh nineteen ninety seven film with yeah. Russell. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that that got me thinking before we'd even done the podcast, like how what kind of good value Kurt Russell is. He's he's one of the few actors now you mm. see his name on a film, and you think, you know what, that's probably gonna be quite good. Um
0: he's, he, he's I don't think I've ever seen him put a bad performance in I do not I d I don't I can't even remember good. too many bad films he's been in, to be honest.
1: No. I no. have to say I mean, I have to say that when I read, I read some reviews about the film, and most of the reviews are quite glowing, and the only negative reviews are people comparing author Kurt Russell films to this, which have got nothing to do with this film. Yeah. Just, saying, just saying, I prefer the thing. I mean, that's, <laughs> it's got nothing to do with this. It's just it's just got the same act to it.
0: The only way I could see you being disappointed by this film is if you're coming into it thinking it's going to be a horror film, you know, and if you're not a fan of a Western, because it is, like you say, it's a classical. The pacing of it and everything is Mm. a classical western. Yeah,
1: uh, I mean,
0: with horror horror elements.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite early on in the film. The um, obviously the slitty throats at the beginning, and you've got it's not very far into the film when a, a stable boy gets really brutally killed, does it? Yeah, I mean, I was reading. I read a review where some people are suggesting racism. I don't see it in that way in any any shape in this film. It just basically it's quite honest. It's like a set about. It's about it's set a generation, I'd say, after the Civil War. Um, there's still, you know, miss, you know, I suppose that kind of attitude towards the black people in the society. So you've like stable hands, and you have like uh, mm-hmm. still predominantly white communities, but it's certainly not offensive. And when somebody is slightly racial in the bar, when they're talking about the chocolate diets, um there's like a Native American, isn't there?
2: You know who did this? The only one group that hunts with them. Who? They don't have a name. What kind of tribe doesn't have a name. One well, that doesn't have a language. Cave dwellers. You know where they are? I have a general idea. You'll take us to them? I won't. Because you're an Indian? Because I don't want to get killed. You're afraid of your own kind? They're not my kind. They're a spoiled bloodline of inbred animals that rape and eat their own mothers. Well, what are they? Chaglidites.
0: What do they look like?
2: Man, like you would not distinguish them from Indians, even though they're something else entirely.
1: He was like telling them yeah. why did people live, and he's like, uh, and he picks up on anyone being that way. You know, it's almost like the voice of 21st century.
0: Yeah, they make it very clear it's a lost race. It's it's not uh, Native Americans. It's uh, very much an offshoot. Yeah. They're almost like Neanderthal men, aren't they, really? They're almost like a different branch of humanity, really.
2: I think really they're just kind of depicted as kind of like the... You know, a, a, an opposing force. Um, more than anything else, it's not. You know, it, it's not they're villains because they're Indians, or it's villains because they're Native Americans, or whatever it is. It's just they're the villains. In fact, I don't think any of the protagonists ever ever really make a comment about. Oh yeah, they never mention. You can't even see skin color because they're like covered in all these markings, aren't that's they? Right. In, uh, fact, in fact, the makeup on the um, on the tribesmen and women looks looks a bit like um, what they deck out the. Uh, cannibals from the old <laughs> italian movies in you know a kind of gray gray kind of dried Very mud dusty. kind of look yeah yeah that's what i thought anyway um so yeah I, I i i didn't i i went through the film thinking i wonder if this film is racist <laughs> which is i suppose a, a natural <laughs> a natural way to think now but I, yeah, I really, yeah. I really didn't think it was mean, um, you watch some films like John Wayne's, for instance, and, and you do pick on with up you pick up those vibes <laughs> um, from the story, no matter how they try and kind of um quash it with certain scenes here and there. I I, I, I didn't think it was. And like you said, they've got the Native American character who's kind of like their, the the uh, advisor earlier on in the film, and uh, yeah. and the Matthew Fox character says, "Oh, I've killed 116 Indians." Yeah, and the Indians, kind of boast is that?
0: He so said, "That's
1: no, it's, I mean, not a yeah. fact, it's a fact. That's an ugly boast." Yeah, yeah. Not to not to sound too arty-farty at um, art house movies, but I honestly think the the troglodytes are like symbolic. There is a symbol of nature, almost like the other and the nature. And I think that's the idea. There is like this this wild, you know. America feels that it's conquered everything, but it hasn't yet. There is still mm-hmm. boundaries to cross, and there is still boundaries which are not they're not welcoming. And and you know, I think the director purposely does that.
2: So it's like the flip side, dances with Wolves. You know, uh, Rob was saying it's it's about America not having conquered everything yet, and I, I guess Dancing with Wolves is a bit like that. <laughs> it's a, tonally, it's a very very different uh, different. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't remember Kevin Costner being eviscerated, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I'd I'd pay to see that as well. You know, quite apart from David Arquette, <laughs> I would pay, I'd pay to see Kevin Costner eviscerated. He'd, he'd make a good go of it, wouldn't he? He'd probably charge about three hundred million dollars to. Uh, Warner Brothers for the privilege, but uh yeah,
0: you know. I think in many ways that's the simplicity of the film. It is a very simple plot. It's a film with the kind of plot we've seen in many many times before, isn't it? I mean, it obviously makes a, a twist on this plot. You know, basically there's a threat to the town. The townspeople get together and the, a band of heroes uh, are banded together and they go on an adventure and uh, a rescue mission. It's something we've seen many times before, but obviously the twist... Is, is the cannibal element that, that makes it interesting, really. And I
2: think, the, um, I, I think one of the strengths is um, once we're on the road with them, so as we go on the trail with these characters, their stories tend to come out. And because of the runtime, yeah. it does seem long when you first go into it. It's like, oh, my goodness, it's 132 minutes. but Actually, it, gives, it just gives the actors and the, the writers a bit of breathing room to create, to give kind of depth to the uh, to the lead character hmm. in, in the story. Yeah. I mean, even even Kurt Russell after he shot David Arquette in the opening scenes, is it the um, the, the wife who's a doctor's assistant? She kind of yeah. she, she kind of implies that um, you know Kurt um, Kurt Russell is too is too quick, he's too quick with his trigger finger, and that he's he's shot people in the like leg before. Hmm. You know, just just over a kind of a minor. Kind of disagreement, which I suppose to mm-hmm. to people watching it, that's what it might have appeared to be.
1: But As you see with the Patrick Wilson, you see with the Patrick Wilson character, a leg injury in those days can be completely can quite kill you off. Actually, that can be yeah, it. Can lead to gangrene, yes. can lead to amputations. You know, it can it, that can be the end of you really functioning in the, in those days. So when he shoots people in the leg, he's like he's, he's pretty much taking away their their liberty completely. Mm.
0: There's there's some good. Um, another thing I like is the the comedy all the way through the film, mainly mm. from Chicory, which uh, I loved his character. He's uh, played by Richard Jenkins, oh, who's yeah, no did, stranger did. to the comedy yeah. film. The uh, Step Brothers, if you remember him in that with Will mm. Ferrell, um, st- I think he stole that movie in, in a way. And he he, I love some of this. Even like like you say, some of the dialogue they've got more time than to spend on dialogue in the movie. And even the stuff where he's, he's asking, how does he read? It? He can't manage to read a book in the bath. He's getting advice yeah. off uh, <laughs> of, uh, the sheriff on that. Yeah. Yeah, he's obviously he's not, bad, he's
1: not very educated. Yeah. It's a lovable, yeah, lovable. It's yeah. lovable. He's also too soft for that world, is he? He's like, he's about twenty yeah. years old. He's about twenty years old. We're supposed to be about twenty years older than the Kurt Russell character, but he's like a baby, isn't he? It's almost like a. Yeah. He
2: th- th-
1: is the deputy. In it? some in some scenes, he's
2: quite canny. You know, he's um, he he's in- Good appreciation of what's going on, but um I think his, his his approach to it all is to kind of see it through
1: almost kind of childlike eyes. He's yeah. You think actually all the way through the film, you think he's definitely going to die because he's uh, he visits his wife's grave and he's but he basically has, doesn't have much to live for, does he? In that sense, he's like a he's prepared. He's prepared to follow the sheriff to the end of the world and back, but he's a survivor. <laughs> Again, it's two big surprises, isn't it? The guy who's got no leg. And the uh, and the old man, two survivors.
0: And I love the fact that at no time in this movie are any of the characters safe. You always feel that they're under threat. You know when they're sleeping out in the rough, and they've they've got the, you know the the ropes uh, tied around the camp, and you just think at any moment. Well, it does happen, doesn't it? At any moment, one of the characters could be picked off and and kind of uh, an arrow through the throat. To any, uh, you oh, know, yeah. So yeah. I love that. I love that because it keeps you on your toes it keeps you interested in the film all the way through it does and
2: um i think that the the runtime doesn't detract at all it 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 uses its um it uses two hours ten minutes really well i don't know if it would have been any 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 longer than that necessarily but i wouldn't i do wonder if this is the difference between like an independent production like this um, that seemed to make most of its money back from home video sales and and, uh, streaming and whatnot um, and you know a studio release where a film like this hadn't been. had made would have been, you know, in the region of about 90 to 95 minutes with lots of the character stuff, you know, completely removed.
0: The director said um, he originally had a a production company who were the budget was going to be about $6 million, uh, but they were asking for so much to be cut out, so much of the violence to be cut out of the film that he abandoned that project and then sought to to just make an indie film completely, You know, which I'm glad he did in a way, because I think if you edit most of the violence out of this film...
1: You can imagine what they would have done to this film, how they would have changed it. Um, Yeah. It would have had a happy ending, I suppose, in that sense. Yeah. yeah, not uh, not a massage parlor happy ending, but in a massage parlor, you know the the, the happy ending. <laughs> well, the film would have been called Bone on my heart then, wouldn't it? <laughs> 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 actually, it's funny because like before we did recorded tonight, like Cal sent a message um, about the film, and I sort of agreed with him. Like although I enjoyed it, it's not one of those films. It would take a big ass for me to rewatch and not because I've I've got really anything against it, or I think it's, you know, I think it's very well made, and I think good characters, but it took a lot out of me. It was quite a big... Yeah, it's quite gruelling, Yeah.
0: That scene at the end will haunt me for many a year, I think.
2: Lee, if you need to, if you uh, want to see any more films to kind of leave you that feeling, I definitely, I'm not sure if recommend is the right word, but perhaps... uh, Cannibal Holocaust might be...
1: Yeah, uh got it. Much
0: for you. <laughs> To be honest, I'm a bit of a cannibal noob, really. I do like zombie films, but I'm not... I don't particularly seek out uh, cannibal films, really. So, yeah.
2: They're certainly the kind of film that you would watch once and kind of think, okay, that's a cannibal film. I've watched it. Yeah. And there's no need to watch Cannibal Holocaust. For me, anyway, there's no need to watch Cannibal Holocaust for a second time. I can appreciate the artists Unless you want to ...the message it kind of was giving. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm... I'm I will certainly not go back to that. Um, whereas this one, I, I don't know. I, I might watch it again, but then but then why? It's almost like the, the impact of it, the impact yeah, of it. it, was it, was it. First viewing, yeah. You understand people who are like Kurt Russell fans. Can we talk
1: about the, um, talk about the special effects? Because the special effects, they very much go for practical effects, don't they? Which, yeah. especially for the violence, is really quite gut-wrenching. It really works. The scene, the scenes in the cave, hmm. where they used obviously like latex and uh, those things and entrails and I don't know what sheep or pig guts or whatever. That's normally it really works.
2: They would, they would use the old days of like you know uh, shooting Dawn of the Dead or something like that. They they go down the butchers and just get a load of uh, entrails from there, yeah. and use them in the uh, in the in the special effects. But I don't, yeah, I don't know if that's what they did here out on the um, out locations here. But I, I guess they could have. Cave bits in the studio,
1: perhaps. yeah. I think maybe the part that's, that's sickening about the uh, the violence is the fact is you've got the main star, Kurt Russell, he's like in the prison, he's, he's been imprisoned in the cave, hasn't he? He's like behind this, these uh, wooden uh, bars and he, he can't do anything to save his deputy and what's going to happen.
0: So, I love his reaction. It would have been tempting to have the reaction to be screaming or or crying, but he just kind of he, he slumps back into himself, doesn't he? And just Almost in disbelief and just like retreating into himself, which yeah, is quite I like that.
1: Yeah, his, um, his other deputy who's next to him can't watch it, can he? He like covers his eyes, whereas um, the sheriff watches it all. He sees the scalp and he sees the cut, you know.
0: So he was also uh, re- kind of reassuring him, you know, giving him fault So the cavalry's going to arrive, you're going to be avenged, and yeah. Yeah. that's the kind of thing you want to hear. It. Well, he says that, doesn't he? That's the, that's the kind of thing I would want to hear if I was yeah. going through that. Yeah, and in fact,
2: doesn't doesn't chicory say that to to hunt later on when he's kind of suffering as well? Oh yeah, when he's pinned
1: down, yeah. Um,
2: the and as it turns out, they they are correct, but but um, perhaps a bit quicker than they might have uh, envisaged.
1: It's quite an interesting. I mean, in that scene when the sheriff's pinned down, and then the cannibals trying to work out how to use the gun, and he shoots him a couple of times, and he tries to shoot him in the in the in the balls, doesn't he? That's right. He puts the gun right, right, and the gun—the guns went out of bullets. That's the only thing that saves him from that point. Um, do you think that was like a change in the idea that originally that was going to happen, and then he twisted back on it? Or
2: I don't know. I, I guess that was the is maybe the idea of that is it's like the troglodytes how to escalate um, the male by kind of you know shooting off the balls because we we find out later what we did what they did to the um, the pregnant the pregnant women. You know they they blinded them. They've lopped off their their limbs, and um, so perhaps this would have been the first first thing to do if you're emasculating another male in a tribal tribe is uh, you know shoot off the balls or cut off the balls in their case. Yeah, maybe I don't know, but then it doesn't work for him. funnily enough, he's he's he's, he's impotent.
1: <laughs> I suppose, and it's quite ironic. You know? It's quite ironic that the big the big hero of the film turns out to be the uh, Patrick Wilson character, doesn't it? yeah he the, uh... literally comes in to save the day
2: um which again in in a film Arthur, of nature, yeah, yeah in, in a film of this nature, you you wouldn't expect it.
0: yeah, he does a really good job because all the way through the film he's hes he's constantly in pain isn't he struggling with his leg, and that could be quite grating in another movie yeah. to watch somebody constantly moaning, but he does a very good job of and it's quite a hard thing to get across, isn't it the pain from a the, the pain in the movie to get that across to the viewer but he uh, does an ex- exceptional job, and that bit where he's, he's getting his leg reset after the fight yes, that, that was hard. pretty painful.
2: Yeah. Actually he cuts away from that before it does, it. Of... I, I thought I thought they would they would show that in graphic detail, but of course they they don't.
0: Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, and they did it with um, you know when uh, Sig Haig's character Sig Haig, who's getting uh, disemboweled yes. at the mm-hmm. beginning, he's very much off in the distance, so the. Director kind of spares the viewer early on in the film from seeing some of the violence, and then, but then eventually you get the full, the full monty at the end.
1: Yeah, it's also. I mean, I read um, some review that um, it's allowed to be gratuitous just with violence, but when the when the uh when the cowboys are having sex with their wives at the beginning it's quite tame <laughs> so um, he's allowed to do physical violence but not sexual violence I suppose maybe he wants to get that tenderness at the beginning of the film and then really shock you at the end
0: he can't do too much with that bro <laughs> that's true he's got to although he's... Oh, he seemed quite fit didn't he
2: because he was underneath a little while and then and then they switched positions didn't they and, and, and he got <laughs> so I don't think he's, like... yeah. he's just faking it like...
0: A nice life, hasn't he? He's got a nice house. He's got a perfect, 10, you know, intelligent wife. It's all going well. Then he falls off a roof and breaks his leg, and his his Mrs. gets kidnapped by cannibals. He's not having a good year. This guy is. Yeah. He, so.
2: this, is like the, this is like this is a perfect summation of twenty twenty, really. This is this is Arthur Dwyer's life. It's like you know, the equivalent
0: needs a virus. Yeah, <laughs>
2: the zombie zombies uh, keep on zombies. The uh, troglov, troglovirus. troglavirus <laughs> COVID nineteen, right. Anyway, so um, Arthur, yeah, uh, one thing I noticed was Arthur O'Dwyer, uh, throughout the film, unless I completely mis- misread this, he seems to have like he's very kind of spiritual, religious. And there's one scene where they're sitting down at the campfire, and they're about to eat, and he, he's about to say grace to uh, you know, thankful mm. for the food they're about to receive, and he, he kind of stops and he kind of breaks down for a little, for as he's about to as he's saying it, and I, I, I wonder if this scene was a bit. Kind of questioning Mm. God at this point and uh, the existence of God, but he, you know, fair play to him and his his character. He kind of rede, he kind of you know comes back to it and he he finishes off the prayer. There's a few scenes later on where he kind of looks up to the sky and he says, "Maybe I misread this. Maybe this is just the, the Indians he's talking to.
1: It might be." I think he's looking up to the sky and say, "Are you watching? Are you watching this?" Is it him? Who's, I think he also says, "I thought the world was supposed to be round, but out here, I'm not so sure." Yeah, is, is this,
2: uh, is this is his character like questioning yeah. his faith uh, yeah. in in parts because he, you know, he he does have an injury. He's he's kind of going through these trials, and yet at the end, and these trials are quite quite harsh and brutal, and yet at the end, he comes he comes away from it it's just because he's he's retained his faith, he's
0: kept his faith. Faith is mentioned a few times, isn't it? There's that bit where the two Mexicans get shot by Bruder and uh, Chico is saying, I, you know, I don't, I don't think you should have killed them. I mean, they were wearing a cross, weren't they? But yeah, I that's... think ultimately Bruder is proved correct, isn't it? Because there obviously were, I think, they get, they get oh, they're, attacked. They were rustlers, yeah, well. weren't they?
1: So basically, like, not rustlers, uh, so like a few... Literally, it's a bit later on. Another group of them tries to attack, doesn't it? So, yeah.
2: Unless, unless the murder of those two
1: is what kind of brings the others on to
2: think, right? Well, you've done that. We'll, we'll, nab, we'll steal all your horses, you bastards. Possibly, yeah. 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 So it's mm. it's unclear, isn't it? Definitely, it might have been the right decision, and, and, and we just don't know. And
1: this is, well, I think that's the
2: idea. Of the things of the film, you, it doesn't kind of lay these things out for you like. John Wayne in *The Searchers* would uh, very, very good black, yeah. black and white uh, depictions of uh, villainy and um, and heroism.
1: Yeah, the morality and it's pretty blurred, isn't it? Yeah. And even the question brooders morality, but he turns out sometimes to be quite wise and quite and quite heroic as well, doesn't it? The way he's uh, mm. ending is quite you know quite brave, and uh, he's doing it because he feels honoured, honoured uh, to the doctor. But the doctor because he grabbed the doctor to help. Um, uh, at, the, at the beginning, he feels guilty about it. he Feels that he has a almost like an ability to follow through on the on this on this this journey.
0: Yeah, I suppose he's the only one in the group who hasn't. Well, apart from chicory maybe who hasn't really got anything to go back to, hasn't he? Really, he's. Uh... I think he says at one point, um, I'm more intelligent than the rest of you because I'm the only one who's not got married and chicory yeah, kind
1: of, that's it,
0: yeah. you know, I suppose he hasn't got too much to go back to and an honourable death, I suppose, is his...
1: Uh, yeah, it's a warrior's death, is it? He dies like a warrior, which is the death he was looking for, I suppose.
0: I love the comedy throughout the film, that bit, you mentioned that bit in the, the bar, Carl, with the uh, the piano player, with the little sign, so he's like, oh, yeah. you know... There's a funny little scene as well. Yeah. yeah and he's like why brooder's like why Why is it more expensive to have more songs and the uh, piano players well you know i get tired after two songs and then he turns his, he pays the money, turns the card round and it's like first you know buy me a drink first drinks of whiskey or something.
2: <laughs> yeah no it was a good little scene actually and that's that's what made me uh, that's what made me think of um of, of the actor james Tolkien. i thought is that the challenge yeah. I wasn't mm. sure. I have to say, I, I thought it might have been, and I looked at the credits at the end, and uh, yeah, there there he was. So budget for this now, Lee. You mentioned originally the projection was six million dollars with the um, the original financiers, but they wanted, mm. you know, a pretty compromised version of, uh, of of what we ended up with. Luckily, and the budget for this was was one point eight million dollars. Yeah, I must say, for a film that costs one point eight million dollars. I mean, even, um, you know, think about something like Over the Top, costing $25 million back in 1986. This yeah. 1. it, it looks good. You know, it's a, it's a good-looking film. Yeah,
0: it's 20, 21 days filming, uh, 78 locations, under $2 million. I don't know how he's done this. Yeah. Yeah, and, and apparently, most of the days, they finished early. He was yeah. one... Two, three takes at the most. Yeah, finishing early, unbelievable. An
2: impressive cast, an impressive cast. You know, you you, you could have just had gone with Kurt Russell in the lead, and then cast you know no what nobody's in the um, or you know up and coming actors in the other roles. Who played the chocolate Now there's <laughs> a question of. <Rob>. Uh, <laughs> there we go. You can you can go off and do some research on that one. I have, have to go and have a look and see if it's like Larry David or I'll something. update to on. On the next, the next episode about the trouble actors. Budget one way, and <laughs> the, the box office for this, I noticed, was under half a million dollars. It's like four hundred eighty-one thousand dollars. Not good box office. But I was, I, I did some other searching, and this this film seems to have made about an additional, at least, well, in the US, an additional seven million dollars on um, DVD, Blu-ray sales, and streaming streaming income. So I mean, it's it's, it's made its money back considerably probably through the whole video market and i don't think those figures took into account um streaming blu-ray and, and dvd for um you know the rest of the world so my guess is this would have been a quite a profitable a profitable venture as a as a, as a film
0: yeah. i think it will continue to be so though is it? i think it is a future cult film definitely with the the themes and everything, I think it will live on. Um, Certainly. And it'll probably make handsome profit. Yeah.
2: I think it's, um, you know, I was quite shocked to see it 2015. in 2015. In my brain, I thought it was more recent than that, but it's, it's already five years old. And, you know, uh, as is, you know, the, the Hateful Eight, which came out in the same year, which, um, again, also surprised me. Um, no, it completely passed me by this one. I never was aware of it. I remember my dad watched it a couple of years ago and how he came to watch it, I'm not sure, but I think they must have got it from the library or something like that. And uh, I remember him telling me, mm. for a film, I need to watch it. and That kind of put it on my list. But yeah, I, I hadn't got around to it until the podcast. No, I'm, 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 I can understand
0: why I liked it, yeah. Yeah, yeah
2: I, I, I'm, I'm certainly... I mean, he, 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 liked, uh, he liked westerns of, of all kinds, so it would have been really right up his alley I think sometimes you would have liked the uh, kind of the extra edgy material that's in it as well. That would have certainly appealed to <laughs>
1: So what's it gonna be boys?
0: Does this one rot in the morgue or make it on the helicopter to freedom?
2: I, um, I thought this film was uh, artistically great. I, I, I really appreciate films with Kurt Russell in them because they're normally top draw good quality films. He doesn't normally do rubbish. He's been, in the, uh, he's been in the industry for years you know, since being a child actor, and he, he's obviously got a good grasp of what a good project is. And uh, yeah, I, I, I really like the film. And, and there was just about enough violence for me. I mean, there's, there's a couple of really shocking scenes near the end, but there's enough there just to kind of keep the horror fan in me uh, satisfied throughout this film. But it was it was otherwise well-made. I mean, with, with a few tweaks, it would work as just as a, as a, as a pure Western, I think. Mm. Because yeah, it's got that breathing space. The characters are so well-written and you, 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 do kind of you care what happens to them. What kind what yeah. the horror uh, it, it it might be that kind of um, awaits them at the end of the film. So yeah, for me, I'm going to send Kurt Russell as Sheriff Hunt out out <laughs> of the cave, dangling from the helicopter with the big wound in his abdomen, and uh, you know the flask stuck in there. But he he flies <laughs> he flies away, flies away to the safety of Bright Hope.
1: There we go. I hope that's the town, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, with the, about 200 people <laughs> <are> in there. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, as I said, uh, I didn't. I went into this film. It's really nice, This actually, when you go into a film knowing nothing about the film, and you go into it quite open, and you don't know what to expect. And I, I, I did it on a, a weeknight when I had work in the morning, and I was tired, and I put the film on thinking, I'll give myself half an hour. The film got me, I watched it right to the end, and then I had to stay awake for about another 20 minutes after the horrible visceration scenes <laughs> uh, sort of playing on my mind for a little bit. And um, I love the characters in it. I mean, it's not a film I'll probably, you know, rush to see again. I may catch it one day, but it's definitely worth a watch. And, if you know, it's well written, well thought through. And for a debut movie, for the directors, it's, you know, it's a great great work, um, so yeah, it makes me interested, I want to go out there and uh, t- see a few other things he's done, to see if they're, you know, just as good, so for me um, definitely gets on the helicopter he's got a big gaping wound in his abdomen <laughs> uh, but it's maybe the hip flask keeps him alive there's something in the hip flask which uh, opium. you know, keeps the a bit of opium. <laughs> some, a bit of the opium <laughs> and as the, as the helicopter's flying over the burning ruins, um, yeah, he just makes it gets there gets home to his sweetheart so uh i'll say yeah bone tom is definitely not going in the mark <laughs> uh,
0: for me i think um i think what more could you want from a movie really you've got a fantastic cast uh kurt russell never seen him in a put in a bad performance the dialogue's fantastic the whole way through despite it being quite a long movie and and somewhat slow paced it's still keeps you engaged all the way through as never bored never looking at my phone the characters are likable i cared about them there's so many modern films now you watch them you don't really care about the characters when they get killed ah so what you know but these characters you do care about even the ones that are a little bit flawed like bruder you know you, you, at the end of the film he, he becomes uh, quite a well-rounded likable character uh, quite a, a good guy really and um, the director I think did a fantastic job with the money that he had. He, the cinematography is perfect. Uh, lots of nice wide shots of the LA desert. Yeah, it I looks can't great. It. it was shot in 21 days, 78 locations. Unbelievable. And I think there's a lot to like from this film. Yes, there's over-the-top horror elements that will put off some, uh, but it's not, it's not not really a horror film. It's definitely feels like a classic Western. I think if you love Westerns, you'll love this film. And I am definitely... Putting it on that, I'm walking it. I'm packing the bags <laughs> and putting it on the Helicopters of freedom, along with a flask. No troglodytes. The tro- troglodytes are locked up in the morgue, safe and sound. And even Kurt, <laughs> Russell, Kurt Russell survived. He sealed up his wounds with the the fire from the from the fire pit, and uh, he survived. And he's on the uh, Helicopters to freedom, safe and sound.
1: That's unanimous, then, isn't it? That's a that's a, is that a first? No, I think we've had ones before, but that's unanimous. safe. Bill & Ted was unanimous, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I don't, um, The others, no. Maybe. So that's a big save for Bone Tomek. Um What I can say, if you have enjoyed listening tonight, the next episode is falling in my uh, worrying hands, uh, and I'm choosing for episode eight, if you're interested, the 1984 sci-fi action big-budget bomb, <laughs> which uh, starring Tom Selleck, Runaway. If you've never seen the film, give it a go. It's got killer robots in it, and it's got Kirstie Alley. You have to remember, this is a time when he kept on thinking Tom Selleck could be a big box office, <laughs> when he should have been Indiana Jones, but he ends up making this. So definitely give Runaway a go. Please watch Runaway before episode eight so you can join in with the fun. It's uh, yeah, it's a, it's all a good one to watch. Okay, Runaway. Lovely.
0: Lovely. Okay, okay hey. well, it's a goodbye from him. And it's, goodbye from and it's a
1: goodbye for me and them. <laughs> Bye bye.
2: Bye bye. Goodbye, everyone. Next time.